Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Today, we are really honored to have one of our overseers here at the Father's House, uh, Dwight Bain, with us. Some of you, yeah, some of you, it'll be your first time. How many of you have never heard Dwight Bain speak? Raise your hand. All right, look, we got again about half the church again, Dwight. A great opportunity. Dwight is the president and founder of Life Works Group in Orlando, he's a counselor and a life coach has about 80,000 counseling hours under his belt. 20,000 of those are for me. Uh, honestly, he's my counselor, mine and Anita, and several of us have been. Uh, he spent a lot of time uh, training uh, Pastor uh, Tim and Brenda, as well as others, and we're just so blessed to have him. He was at a crisis event yesterday, uh, and uh, he spent all day there. I don't have time to tell you about it, uh, but it's another crisis event. When the Pulse thing happened, he was one of the first counselors there. Uh, Any time there's something that goes on in Orlando or Central Florida, immediately the news media all pick him up. You'll see him on the morning news, oftentimes trying to bring sense into this nonsensical world. And we love him, and I know you love him. And I'm telling you, this teaching today is worth listening to. Would you stand on your feet, give a warm welcome to my friend Dwight Bang. Come on. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. I love you. I am honored to be here today to be able to say you ain't right. Because Father's Day at the Father's house, I was excited about this, but I want you to know some of you ain't right. Because on Father's Day, today we're going to talk about earthly fathers, we're going to talk about heavenly fathers. And sometimes you may have had a dad who helped you be your best, and sometimes you may have had a dad who would be driving for hours in the wrong direction with mom saying, I think we should stop and ask for directions. And the kids in the back seat saying, dad, please, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. And the dad wouldn't stop because sometimes it's hard for dads and we're gonna talk about the solution. So I think it'd be just kind of good therapy. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you ain't right. You ain't right. There's an interesting concept in the field of clinical psychology that when people think they are right, it's called a blind spot. Because everybody else can see, that's kind of a blind spot. But the scary thing is, they can't see it. It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. You don't know what you don't know. And so if somebody says, well, I don't believe that. You know, the world is flat. If that's what you genuinely believe, that's what you believe. What we want to do is kind of open up our thinking to go, oh, I don't know everything. I'm not right on everything. Because we live in a time where so many people, social media makes this worse, they think their opinion is the most important opinion, and it's definitely better than your opinion. And that leads to something called conflict and fight. And that's the opposite of a relationship with God the Father. Some people have a relationship with their dad, and it's all about power struggle. But I want you to see a relationship with a heavenly father, right? So I like what Andy Stanley said. Your greatest accomplishment in life, 
It may not be something you do, but it may be in someone you raise. Wow, that's awesome. So when I can see potential and see, wow, this child has potential. Wow, this child could change the world. Yeah, that's good. See, when I think about, you know, God designed, God the Father designed a system in relationship. So today is either an incredibly joyous day when you think about your father or you think about his memory if your dad's gone. Or today may be the hardest day of the year because somebody handed you pain instead of handed you potential. So here's the question. What do you see? When you see a baby, what do you see? Do you see joy? Do you see a blessing? Do you see hope for the next generation? Or do you see $250,000 from birth until college? You know, the IRS is supposed to up the tax deduction. I don't think it's going to be a quarter of a million dollars. Do you see there's not enough diapers? Lord Jesus, help us all. And then, and, and, I mean, I'm from a generation, what's a Pampers? I mean, moms, I won't even go into it here at Mixed Company, what moms had to do with these things called cloth diapers. You don't want to know. It's like, what's that pail in the corner? In the bed? You don't want to know. When I start to think about, do you see potential when you see a child? Do you see potential when you see a new daddy? Or do you see someone who says, I don't know, and I need some help? Now, if that's the case, Father's house is a good place to be because we know that we don't know, and we help each other. But sometimes someone, they get handed a child, and and they don't know that they, and they don't know that they're allowed to talk about their fears and doubts and insecurities. Here's a principle. Only the very weak or the very strong admit weakness. I'll say it again. Only the very weak or the very strong can admit weakness. It's what Brene Brown, the researcher, calls a vulnerability. Because when you're able to say, I know that I don't know it all, God, can you help with the difference? And God says, of course. If you act like you know it all and then kind of double down to prove, then it leads to conflict and hurt and broken relationships. Yesterday, I had a family member call me from out of state who said, my counselor retired and is a really good counselor, and where do I go to find a good counselor? And I said, that's a really good question because some of the most disturbed people you will ever meet, I think, went to graduate school to become counselors. And they ain't right. And I'm on a national board with like 50,000 of them. And sometimes I'll say, y'all know to the board, y'all know some of these people ain't right. And they'll say, some of them ain't right. And, I, and so when he said, where do you go find a good counselor? I said, look for broken people who have been healed. Look for battle scars. Because broken people, how come God can use broken people? Well, there's more broken pieces to work with. How do we make stained glass? A lot of broken pieces of glass. So when you've seen some of those beautiful stained glass in some of those ancient churches, it's a bunch of broken pieces. Yeah, that's the counselor to look for. That's the pastor to look for. That's the person to look for. They've been shattered and broken. And they said, oh, God, I can't make it. And God says, let's put this back together. Oh, look, there's so many pieces to work with. Wow. One big piece of glass, lots of broken, little shattered pieces put together. 
and melded back together into something beautiful by the master's hand. Wow. So what do you see? Do you see pain, problem? Do you see potential, right? The greatest joy in life, the greatest pain in life come from relationships. If you say, no, it comes from Amazon Prime Day, June 21st. <laughs> I mean, I know it's, it's summertime, and some people are excited. It's summertime. We've made it to summer times. Oh, boy, it's summer. And other people are like, no, it's Amazon Prime Day. I can get half off on something I probably don't even need. This is going to be fantastic. The greatest joy in life, relationship, not buying more stuff. The greatest pain in life, it's not stuff. It's the things people say and do, and it hurts. Now remember, home is the place where we learn the most. Home is where you learn how to be a mom and dad. Home is where you learn how to be a husband and wife. Home is, I believe, where you learn to be a good human. Yes. What if you came from a broken home? Well, there's this place called church, and I can come be around other godly people who can become a positive influence to be able to mentor and speak truth into my life. But sometimes people don't see potential. They don't look at a child and go, wow, wow, this brand new, this child can go to full potential. This child, this baby might change the world and maybe not change the whole globe, but maybe change a part of it. That happened about 30 miles from here. There was a husband and wife. They got married and the dad was really He'd been hurt a lot, and he passed on his hurt to his kids. And he kept passing on the hurt. There were five kids born into that family near Sorrento, and the dad was just so angry. Things never seemed to work out for him, and he took his pain, and he dumped it on his kids. The oldest two boys ran away. There were four boys, one girl. And the oldest two boys ran away and said, I, 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 I just can't deal with his rage. By the time they got to middle teenage, they ran away. The third boy, because there was a baby brother and a baby sister. The youngest was a little baby girl named Ruth. And the third son said, I'm going to stay as long as I can. When he was 17, he ran away. So that left now one boy, one girl. The girl never got any abuse, only the boys. And the boy carried so much pain and hurt. His parents, even though they got married 30 miles from here, they traveled a lot because dad's jobs always failed. And sometimes when dads fail at work and they fail with money and they already had some pain inside, they just keep passing on pain. So when I think about this idea, do you see a problem or do you see potential? And over in Eustace, there were a couple of this young man's aunts. They knew the older boys had already run away, and they knew that because of his age, he wasn't old enough to run away. He only went to ninth grade, but his aunts in Eustace said, he's kind of creative. He's not a good student, but he's really creative. Let's send him some art supplies. And they made sure multiple times a year, by then this family was living in the Midwest because dad always changed jobs and moved. And his aunts in Eustace one of his aunts would go on to become the first female school principal in Lake County. The Call family. Yeah. Flora Call, if you don't know the family, 
Oh, I'll bet you know the dad. You know his name. Elias Disney? Walt Disney's dad? Elias Disney, Flora Call, got married in Sorrento. They were the first couple to get married when Lake County became a county in 1888. Walt was born in Chicago in 1905 because dad kept moving. But there were some aunts and some people right here in Lake County who kept saying, we're just going to send art supplies because there's no money to buy art supplies. I love stories like that because I was blessed to have teenage parents from Appalachia who ran away to Central Florida. And I grew up in a trailer park. And there was an elderly couple who always made sure my parents had groceries. I grew up Baptist because that elderly couple were Baptist. And after a while, they didn't just bring groceries. They said, would you like to come to church with us? And some teenagers and a little baby boy went to church with an elderly couple who brought groceries first. And when you think about, when you see a baby, do you see another mouth to feed? Do you see a problem? Do you see somebody screwed up? Wow, she made a mistake. She got herself pregnant. And I've never, Pastor, been able to figure that one out. I know Mary was immaculate conception and all that. How did all the other girls get themselves pregnant? Is it like a course in school? It's like, you know, she just decided one day she's going to get herself pregnant. Well, that happened to another family. The mom was 17. She was at the beginning of her senior year in high school and went to a, a very conservative school, and they said, we're not going to let you walk at graduation because you have that little bastard child. She wasn't allowed to go to her own high school graduation. But in community college, she met a guy named Mike. The baby, by the way, his name's Jeffrey. And she met a guy named Mike, and Mike's an interesting guy because he didn't have father issues. He had some abandonment. His family were from Havana, Cuba, and they put him on a plane when he was 16, and they lied and said, he's going to the United States to visit with a family member who's dying, and he'll be back. No luggage, just clothes on his back. And he got off the plane and was given asylum in the United States from Cuba as a political refugee. Learned English and through Catholic social services, through an orphanage, got to go to a community college in Albuquerque where Jackie, the mother of that little boy, Jeffrey, was a student. They dated for a few months, and he said, I think I see a future with us. And she said, I have this baby. And he said, when we're together, I have a baby too. The dad had abandoned her in shame. And that man, Mike, said, that will be my son. I will treat him as a son. They got married, and the next thing they did, the next thing they did was he adopted a little boy named Jeffrey and said, you're going to learn to work, and he did. Oh, yeah, it's Father's Day, and you're thinking, why are you telling me these stories? Because if you have a father or sometimes a stepfather or sometimes an adopted father who steps in and shows you, you have potential. You know what? I don't see a problem. Boy, I don't see a problem. I see you. Because that's what God does with us. God doesn't see our problems in our scripts. God sees us. Oh, Jeffrey, his parents, because he went to college, got a good job out of college, worked on Wall Street. Two years into the job, he told his parents, I want to quit my job with 401k, 
with good insurance, with paid vacations, I want to quit my job, I want to start a company. And his parents said, great, how much do you need? Because they had watched him work at McDonald's, they had watched him work and mow lawns, they believed in his potential. Jeffrey, you know him by the name of Jeff Bezos. He owns Amazon.com. He's the richest man in the world. And look what he said on his, on, his, on his Twitter. Happy Father's Day. You were always there for me, and I feel it. I love you, Dad. Jeff Bezos never met his biological father, never remembered, because the biological dad left after a couple of months. I can't deal with this. You're not my responsibility. You're not my problem. And Mike Bezos said, you're my son. Well, so what do you see? Do you see somebody else's mistake? Do you see a problem? Or do you see someone who could go with an idea to change the world? Or do you see the grandfather who said, she's my daughter first? Back in that day, some people would send girls away. And grandpa said, that's my daughter, that's my grandson. This is my family. And every summer of Jeff Bezos' life, he worked on the farm with his grandpa, on a farm, working with his hands. I love what he said. One of the things you learn in a rural area is self-reliance. People do everything themselves. That kind of self-reliance is something you can learn. And my grandfather was a huge role model for me. If something is broken, let's fix it. To get something new done, you have to be stubborn and you have to be focused. He learned because there were people who said, you matter. Instead of giving him shame, illegitimate child, they gave him something I heard my whole life, special birth, special purpose. Because I want you to understand, you'll always miss what you're not trained to see. You'll always miss what you don't know to look for. Right? You've heard the term, hindsight is 2020. So you understand foresight, foresight. Well, it's 2020 when you know what you're looking for. So people say, what's going to happen in the future? right? Hindsight. And if you know what you're looking for, foresight. What's going to happen in the future with COVID and post-pandemic and what's going to happen? We'll be okay. If we learn to take care of the bodies that God gave us and be healthy and take care of each other and check on each other, haven't heard from you in a while, how are you doing? Exhaustion may be one of the biggest problems in the next, in the months ahead. But foresight's 2020 when you know what you're looking for. You'll always miss what you're not trained to see. So what do you see? What do you see? Because there was a father in scripture who did not see his son's potential. Let's take a look at it. This is in 1 Samuel. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I've rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil, be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons. And then look down at the bottom of the page because Samuel says, this Saul guy's really mad. And if he hears that I've done that, he might kill me. It's a time of political unrest. And look, surely the Lord's, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here. And the Lord said to Samuel, don't consider his appearance. Don't consider his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now let's look at that again. And I want you to read it with me, the underline part. The Lord does not look at the things people look at, and the rest of it, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord 
looks at the heart. God sees you. God sees your potential. Other people may say, oh, oh, no, 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 she's divorced. No, that, God sees you. God sees potential. Some people might go, oh, you know, gone through a bankruptcy. God sees you. God sees potential. When Walt Disney was 23, because nobody taught him how to manage money, remember he came out of this very painful environment, and he, his mom signed, Flora Call, signed for him to go to World War I when he was 16 years old. He didn't finish ninth grade. But he had creativity inside because somebody said, I believe in you. Yeah. And it was extended family yes. right here in Lake County. So when you go to Walt Disney World and you go on Main Street USA, the only time Walt Disney remembered being happy with his father was in Marceline, Missouri. And his dad had worked for his brother, Robert Disney, at the Chicago World Fair and had made a little money and came and bought a farm. And Walt later would say, it's the only time my dad wasn't mad. We had money and he wasn't mad. And he modeled Main Street USA to look like the only place that I remember being happy with my dad. And he built the Magic Kingdom as a place where adults and kids could be together and be happy for one day. If there had not been a little boy whose family came from Lake County, Florida, who'd been hurt, a lot of people hurt in Lake County, but some people in Lake County reached out to their nephew and said, you matter. And that spark came alive. And there's a place the whole world goes to, the happiest place on earth, but it's because some people loved and cared for and said, Walter, you matter. Your dad's broken. He doesn't give you the love, but you matter. Walt, you matter. Change the world. The Lord looks at the heart. Jesse called Abinadab, and he called all of these other sons. And then he said to Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen these. Are these all the sons you have? Well, they're still the youngest, Jesse said. He's tending the sheep. And Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. He had sent for him, had him brought in. He was glowing with health, had a fine appearance, handsome features. And the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And he's 14 years old. So when you see a 14-year-old, do you see bad complexion and a bad attitude? Or do you go, wow, the spirit of the Lord is with this one. If you want to change Lake County, change the children. Change the hearts. And you say, well, how do you change children? There's so much hatred and they hear all this stuff. Believe in them. Tell them about their potential. These are scary times. But when somebody says, I believe in you and you matter. you matter. They may have never heard that from their own father, but they can hear it at the father's house. Yes. So when I think about this, how can we parent to reach children like that? I want to build on parenting potential instead of looking at pain. We do that by paying attention to two areas, values and views. First, views, because we live in a time everybody has an opinion. That's 
wow. And they all think they're right. And if you take the W out of wow, you just have ow. <laughs> ow, because people go on, and then they take their opinion that they think they're right, and they go on this thing that was designed to, I think it was by the communists in China, to ruin relationships called Facebook, and they decide, I'm going to go on Facebook, and I'm going to say all these terrible things to prove that I'm right, and other people then get into fights. Oh my gosh. Fighting to be right, right fighting doesn't make anybody better. It just hurts people. But look at this, what if I, instead of trying to fight to be right, what if I was able to say, let's build on value. Let's see who can love the most in this family. Let's see who can be the most kind and gentle. Let's see who can practice more of the fruits of the spirit. Goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control, wow. Let's see who can be the most patient. The greatest control is self-control. Because when we look at people based on value, not based on label, oh, I'm a Democrat, oh, I'm a Republican. I kind of like at this point in time, there's so much hatred. I'm pretty good with just saying, I'm just an American. Yes. Yes. I know 4th of July is coming, because if you say that you're one or the other, then, then half the people are already mad at you. So if I just say, I'm an American, I'm kind of confused. But I believe in other people, not labels. And the worst thing that happens when you start caring for people instead of labels, the fight goes down. I saw that after Pulse, to just, to just go and help people whose kids were murdered. And they would say, I didn't expect people from your church to be here. I just came to help because I thought your kids were murdered. Yes. Not because this church is supposed to help and that church doesn't help. What if we just saw people instead of labels and problems? When I think about how did Jesus change hurting broke, he saw people. He didn't see a woman in adultery, he saw a woman who was hurting. Well, it changes everything. Because when I build based on values, I, I, I start by knowing that I'm not right, right? We've been talking about Jeff Bezos. Jeff said, people who are right a lot, listen a lot, they change their minds a lot. If you don't change your mind frequently, you're gonna be wrong a lot. Because things are happening so fast. And so the more that we're able to go, oh, I want to learn, teach me. I want to get better, help me. But instead of trying to know it all, it's the idea, it's the idea of saying, well, let's learn from each other. Let's help. Because words can make things better. Words can make things worse. Yes. 306 billion emails last year, 2020. 4.5 trillion text messages. People use a lot of words. 500 million tweets. The problem is sometimes people use words, and the word doesn't even make any sense, like unkeyboardinated. Yes. <laughs> I don't, the keys don't work the way I want them to work. Or people that are selfish. They use their cell phone to act selfish, right? You know people like that? They're sitting at the table in a restaurant and they're, and they're not talking to each other, they're being selfish. How about universe? They think the whole world and the whole universe revolves around them. What about a non-versation? We're having a non-versation, nothing is happening here, we're just chatting about nothing that matters that we saw on Facebook, wow. When I think about how do you make relationships better, right? Dr. John Gottman, Jewish psychologist out in California said, for every one negative, you have to have five positives just to balance out. 
So if you came from a home environment where you got a lot of, wow, God's going to use you to change the world. But then what if you have somebody in your life who says, you suck. You're a waste. I can't believe that we're stuck with you, right? Five to one. Think about your own relationships. Are you a five to one? Especially when you think about children. For every time you say, you screwed up, and you scream, are there five, oh honey, I'm so sorry. Mom's really stressed, dad's really stressed. You matter, you're important, you're God's design, you have potential. Or do you scream? Do you pass on pain that maybe somebody gave you? Or do you pass on the hope and the courage that God gave you? Well, my family, I know, everybody has pain. But when we're able to say, my family system gave me pain, but God and his word gave me love and joy and peace to share with others. Well, but my family, yeah, okay, but, but God, but God, you see, God is there. And sometimes, especially in the relationship with fathers, it takes me back to what Paul said to the church at Ephesus. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Because sometimes dads use words and it tears a child down instead of builds them up. So think about your own relationship with your earthly father. Was it a faithful relationship? Showed you Jesus? Was it a fearful relationship and made everybody scared? Was it an accepting relationship? Oh, wow. You, you want to have your hair purple this year. That's really cool. <laughs> I remember when my son came, and we were getting passport pictures made to go on his first international trip, and his hair was flaming pink and, and pretty long, and he about as long as yours, and I said, that's going to be a great passport picture. Now, a couple years later, going on a trip, because they kind of look at your passport picture, right? He said, maybe that was not the best shade for a passport picture. But you see, you can either raise a child or you can raise an adult. And raising an adult means I'm going to let you make choices and learn. And raising a child, I'm going to keep my thumb right here and I'm going to keep telling you how to feel and how to think and how to function because you just don't know. And so what happens is they don't know and they stay stuck. But if you raise an adult, you give them opportunities to learn and grow. To be able to say, what do you think would work? Because somewhere in adolescence, they can think what they think will work. It's okay. I mean, protect safety. Don't let somebody decide, you know, I think I'm going to use the blow dryer in the shower to save time. Okay, I mean, protect safety. Not a good plan. But I don't care what color your hair is. I'm a bald guy. I'd just be happy for any color hair at this point. Is your dad accepting or did your dad attack you? Is your dad tender? It's heartbreaking for me because I love my kids. Did your dad traumatize you? Was your dad helpful or hateful? Encouraging or exhausting everybody in the room? You cannot have a good relationship without trust and respect. The TR formula. And when trust is high and respect is high, love grows there. And if there's no trust, and there's no respect, hard to grow love. And sometimes we have to put boundaries in place with toxic people because they're so hateful and hurtful and attacking and traumatizing. Because if you've been rejected, you're not alone. David felt that. I like how 
Uh, Ashley said it in this quote, you know all the sympathy you feel for an abused child who suffers without a good mom or dad to love them and care for them? They don't stay children forever. No one magically becomes an adult the day they turn 18. Some people grow up sooner, many grow up later, and some never really do. But just remember that some people in this world are older versions of those same kids that we cry for. They were screamed at when they were a little girl. They were smacked when they were a little guy. And they stay continually unwanted. And so when you see somebody who's 35 and you say, why does she keep making bad relationship decisions? Maybe she's not 35. Maybe she's five. And maybe just continuing to repeat that hurt and pain. Joyce Meyer said, God wants you to be delivered from what you've done and what's been done to you. God wants you to be free. So here's the principle. We take a look at it. What would happen when dads or moms said, I'm going to see you the way God sees you. I'm going to look at your potential, not all of the other outside variables. And when we look at this, not avoiding pain, because if you avoid pain to create pleasure, that's called entitlement, right? I'm ne you're never going to feel pain. You're never going to feel hurt. I'm just, mom's going to protect you from everything. And then studying how to influence and shape growth. And there's 39 factors that are right here. You'll get them in the lobby. How can I tell if a child is measuring up to potential or a teenager? Same way you tell if an adult is measuring up to potential. There are 39 ways to tell if you're mature. So turn to somebody next to you and say, you need to grow up, because this is really good therapy. You need to grow up. So how can I tell if I'm grown up? Well, there's 39 different factors, like do you use appropriate language or do you use slang language? People that are fully mature don't use slang language. Well, I just heard that word when I was growing up. If you're fully mature and developed and responsible, you don't use irresponsible language, even on Facebook. How can I tell if I'm fully mature and responsible? You drive like an adult. Because there are a lot of dads who will tell you exactly what to do with your money, and they're good with money. They're not really safe to drive with. And you say, well, why are you bringing this up? Because your kids know if you're unsafe. I need you to know that you're unsafe. That's good. That's good. Right? My wife really helped me because she said I was really, I was, you know, fussing at someone and I was driving, zipping in traffic. And, and she said, if you'll just do this, it'll change the way you drive. And I love and trust Sheila. And I said, okay, what? She said, before you yell at other people about their driving, she said, just say out loud, they drive as bad as I do. <laughs> and it changed how I drove because you don't know what you don't know. And you can't see what you can't see. And a loving person will open your eyes to 39 different variables. There are some parents who give their kids really good advice about alcohol and don't practice really good advice about sugar and junk food themselves. They work really hard at telling their kid, your room's a mess, instead of saying, you know what, the garage is a mess and I'm kind of in charge of that space, so before I fuss at you about your room, I think I'm gonna work on the garage first. Because I don't want to hold you to a double standard. We call that hypocrisy. So you can either pick one of these up in the lobby or they're on the church website. Or you can say that Bane guy ain't right. That guy ain't right. He is not right. Because once you and I know that we're not right, we don't have to argue our opinions anymore. When you start to see potential, you don't argue anymore. Because I'm able to see potential of 39 different factors. We can measure that psychologically. Can I tell if somebody is acting in a responsible, mature way? 100%. You can measure that. 
if you're honest enough to say, I, I know that I don't know everything. And when I look at this, we can solve arguments. Instead of proving a point, let's work on improving the child. Well, I'm going to prove a point. Okay, what does that do? It might hurt a little boy or a little girl. They don't fully understand. Our brains aren't fully developed until we get into young adult years. But if I say, what would improve this relationship? Instead of proving a point? Because arguing usually proves who's the best at fighting. But it doesn't make the person better. It doesn't build the potential. So how do we solve a conflict, right? Three things. Number one, in discussion, those are good hear both sides of a conversation. How do you think I could change? How do you think you can change? What do you think we could do in our home with finances? What do you think we could do to be able to live out potential in our marriage, in our home, with our family? I love discussions. Discussions are great because it's both sides. A debate is challenging to see who can who can do something that I've noticed. And I'm not sure exactly the number on this. You may have to Google it because I've been told that 78% of statistics are made up on the spot. I'm not sure, but I think that's true. Because in a debate, you're going to make up to prove. You know what I mean? You know, uh, and look at the bottom one, a disagreement. You agree with my opinion 100% or I'm going to cancel you. You don't exist. I will never talk to you again. You'll agree with my opinion 100% or you don't matter. Well, that just goes sideways. <laughs> because I know people that said, I'm never going to talk to my grandparents again because of who they voted for in 2020. <laughs> Which I thought was interesting because I thought, that's not true. Because when grandma starts, starts giving out inheritance and starts paying for college and cars and weddings for your cousins, then if you cancel grandma, you don't have a right to get mad at grandma when she pays for your cousin's wedding cruise well, that's not fair. Okay, hold up. A fair is a place you go, ride the Ferris wheel, eat cotton candy, look at the livestock. That's a fair. Life ain't fair. All right, there's your tweetable moment. <laughs> so how do we move forward? Look at character. Look at capacity. Look at who a person could be. Right? People say, well, I'm entitled to my opinion. You are. You're just not entitled to dump it on everybody. You're entitled to keep it inside. That's called self-control. Well, I think they're an idiot. Okay, you don't have to say that. Because if you say that, you didn't improve the situation. I'm entitled to my opinion. I'm not entitled to disrespect or be rude. I remember early, early in my career in ministry, I had a big, oversized bumper sticker on my car bumper, and it said, Jesus Christ solves family problems. It's like twice the size of a normal bumper sticker. Back then on I-4, you could actually drive fast. And somebody from my church said, didn't I see you going like 80 on I-4 through downtown Orlando? I said, no. No, I'm sure that wasn't me. And he said, yeah, it's got that big Jesus solves family sticker on your car. I want you to know, Sean, I could not wait to get home and rip that sticker off the car. My wife said, what are you doing? You had to pay to get that custom made. I said, I'm taking a sticker off my car. You didn't see my car. That's just a Honda Accord. I don't know whose car. That's not me. No, no. Yeah, it took me a long time to see I wasn't right. You're entitled to your opinion. You're not entitled to dump it on people. But if you say, let's work on our relationship. When you and I are able to say, wow, what if I could see a child, a young adult? What if I could see my granddaughter the way Jesus does? What if I could see a person instead of a label? What if I could see potential instead of a problem? Now all of a sudden, they're not a burden. They're a blessing. It's like, wow, 
Babies are a blessing. They are. It's hope about a new future. So if you want to solve conflict, you ask a question. It's really simple. You say, help me understand. Help me understand. Help me understand your point of view. Help me see it from your perspective. See, now we're not arguing about opinion. I'm saying, help me understand your opinion. Never use the word why. It'll cause a big fight. Because if you say why, people then have to kind of double down to prove their point. You know, but why leads to lots of conflict and tension. Very complicated to answer the question why. So switch over to what do you want me to know? How would that work out? And somebody's even mad about political stuff. What would you do to solve $17 trillion? I mean, what's your idea? Because I actually know some people that work up at the White House. I can probably get you connected. And if you have some really creative ideas, I'm sure they'd love to hear. Well, I didn't know. No, I don't know. <laughs> what questions have a specific answer solves fights? How questions? How would we pay for that? Well, let's sit down and budget it out. But nobody fights about it because it's just numbers on a calculator, right? Help me understand takes the tension level down, so now we can start working on the relationship. You say, where do you get these ideas from psychology? No, from Scripture. Moses wrote, you take Scripture and you impress it on your children. And you say, well, we talk a lot about the Bible. Do you live it a lot about the Bible? Talking it, good. Living it, better. Living it's better. And what if you don't have access to your kids because of divorce or your kids are grown? Or maybe you have foster kids, stepkids. Maybe you're raising your own grandchildren. See them like Jesus. Just see them as potential. Not a problem. Potential. Potential is to say, you matter. Right? So we had fun earlier. Now turn to somebody next to you. Hope you hopefully you can say this with sincerity and just say, you matter. Just try that. You matter. Because when I'm able to say to somebody, you matter, it fulfills the last promise in the Old Testament of the Bible. God will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers. When fathers and children are restored, there's unity, there's community, there's family, there's healing. And look at what happens when that's not the case. The final words of the Old Testament. Or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. So when you start to say, wow, all these bad things are happening in our culture, maybe it's because of broken relationships between fathers and children. And when we heal father-child relationships, when we heal that relationship, whole countries are better. So what do you see, Dad? Do you see a child growing into potential or do you see a problem? Do you see children the way God sees them, right? Do you see their potential? In the Psalms, King David said, we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. And when you and I are able to say, not just what my earthly father, but when you're able to say, God the Father, here's what God sees that he would give his only begotten son because you matter. No matter what you got handed in this life, God said you matter, and that's why he brought Jesus. Now, this topic is hard, so I'd like you, if you could, just everybody stand.
and close your eyes. I want to pray over you. Keep your eyes closed because today it may be, today it may be this brought up a lot of hurt and pain and God wants to heal that. Maybe today you're missing your dad who, was, who showed you Jesus and he's gone home to be with the Lord. Maybe today, maybe you're the one who needs to go to somebody in your family and apologize. So Father, I pray for these friends here at the Father's house that we would see you as our Father, the perfect Father. And I pray, Father, that you would heal and that you would restore and that you would redeem and that you would reach into those that are hurting and you would heal the hurt. Maybe that that their own father didn't mean, he didn't know how to do any better. Somebody hurt him. But God, you can heal the generations. I pray for that in Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Terry. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.